it's Natalie with Stoned and Social, and I just wanted to go ahead and welcome you guys to the very last episode of Stoned and Social's very first season. We've appreciated all the amazing support we've got for you guys, and we have a lot of cool episodes coming up. This week is going to be a little bit different because a couple months ago, I had the amazing opportunity to interview a gentleman by the name of Craig Lewis, who has overcome all odds put in front of him and has risen to the challenge of finding his own happiness, which is a great inspirational story that a lot of us need to hear right now in the middle of the pandemic. So make sure to follow us on Stoned and Social at Instagram so that you can keep up when our next season will be released. You can go ahead and shoot us an email if you want to be interviewed or if you know someone else would be really cool to be interviewed for Stoned and Social. We're at stonedandsocial at gmail.com. And don't worry, we will be back very soon. And now I give you an unedited version of my interview with Craig Lewis. Stay highly conscious, guys. I am very lucky to have a special guest with me. I've got Craig on the line. Craig, can you introduce yourself for our listeners today and tell us a little bit about who you are? Thank you so much for having me. My name is Craig Lewis. I live in a mountain town in Mexico. It's where I ended up after five years of chaos of trying to become the man I'm working on becoming today. I'm an author of a book that has been translated to 10 languages. It's a mental health trauma coping skills workbook called Better Days Mental Health Recovery Workbook. And I've been traveling the world sharing my message of how I've survived the impossible and how I've done it with people in nearly 40 countries. And currently, I'm sitting in my little mountain town, a little bit of noise around because I am in Mexico. And I just, I thank you for including me. I thank you your show for having me, and I apologize in advance for any noise that may happen while we're speaking. It's just out of my control, and we're doing the best we can. That's that's really all we can ask for. And Craig and I talked a little bit about this before we started. So listeners, if you do hear some noise, it's, it's because of where Craig is right now, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about his book, Dealing with Trauma, and why you're in Mexico at this moment. I'm going to give you the floor and let you lay it out for us. All right. Well, I can let you know that my new book that I'm preparing to publish is called The Craig Lewis Guide to Surviving the Impossible. And mm-hmm. I, pretty much that title, it says a lot. Mm-hmm. How did I come about writing a new book, writing a book about surviving the impossible? Well, the, the title pretty much betrays the contents. So, um, yeah, I have <laughs> ended up in this special, I'm not going to say the name because I want my little privacy, you know, sure. a little bit of privacy. A boy's got to have some secrets, right? Always. <laughs> like, like, yeah. And so I ended up by, by default and also by choice, if you will, in this beautiful mountain town that's like an ancient Aztec stronghold where like, you know, 500 years ago when the invaders came, the people in this town, they resisted these invaders. And they have an entire tradition about what fighting with Spaniards. And like, that's a place for a person like me who is a rebel. Why am I a rebel? Well, because when you grow up in the United States, and I know my, my accent, my English language accent, pretty much lets you know I'm from the U.S. Um, when you're a person like me who grew up with this like wide open third eye, but you're growing up in a society that doesn't necessarily support or embrace people 
especially I'm a kid of the 80s, right? So I was like 14 mm-hmm. years old in 1988. <laughs> when you're a kid of the 80s like me, and you're saying to people, I see what's going on here. I see the flaws of society. I see what people are doing that's not really okay. I see all this stuff. I can see it clearly. You know as well as I, and many of your listeners know as well, when they have a kid like that, they say, hmm, this kid is defiant. This kid is oppositional. This kid is that. This kid is this. So you know what they do to that kid. They, they drug that kid. So I'm a kid who was drugged for being a beautiful, empathetic, aware, loving, honest guy or kid. And I paid a huge price for simply being me. Mm. 28 years of my life were spent being drugged for being me. My parents, God bless them, I don't speak with them because they're toxic. They created a situation in which I was forcefully, uh, we'll use the word called, uh, use the word to describe what happened to me as psychiatry. I was forced to the psychiatric system for 28 years of my life for, for nothing, for having no real issues other than like being in a weir, like, like pure, like, like a little, little kid. That's what I was. And, and you, you, you mentioned that, you know, you were kind of aware and we, we've talked, you know, we talk about self-awareness and consciousness on our podcast. Do you think maybe other people who are asking questions are also, uh, you know, in this current state, children now are being sort of treated the same way that you were treated when you were asking questions that maybe they didn't have the answers to? Or do you think there's been any progress in that area? I think if you take a look at the world right now, we are living in a six billion person mental hospital. Mm-hmm. One moment there's a motorcycle. I'm so sorry. We're living <laughs> no, in nice. a six billion person planet mental hospital and the rest of us have already survived. So my answer to your question is I think a lot of people are going through a lot of trials and tribulations that they never really went through before because they did everything right. I went to school. I did this. I did that. I bought my house. I paid my bills. I did this. And your life still collapsed. What I am doing and what I'm living is this reality in which I've already survived all this crap. I already survived my life burning down. So I'm watching other people experience this questioning like is there something wrong with uh, your perspective are you seeing the world in a, with clarity like and you watch the news right now or you hear the, the radio and everyone's questioning everything because they're scared so the question you just asked do i really think that it's changed not really i think it's just a whole lot more people are asking those questions and they're viewing it as normal because six billion people are going through a crisis the rest of us mm-hmm. have already survived it. So you've survived the impossible. And right now, you know, I would say on the whole, the world is going through something that many people would have thought is impossible. I don't think a lot of people thought a pandemic or anything, you know, was on the horizon for us. Um, and what, what are your feelings about the, the current crisis right now what are you what are your views on the on the pandemic and how it ties into kind of the consciousness that's happening uh globally i want to first validate that the fear that people are experiencing is based on whatever it is it's based on and people are worthy of being acknowledged 
for feeling the way they feel. Do I want to speak about the source of those feelings? Not particularly because, you know, feelings are a result of thoughts. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of thoughts that are being had at the current time that are being, uh, how do you say, suggested. These are suggestions. So we don't actually really know like <laughs> where all this information is coming from, what's correct, what's not. But we do know that people are experiencing a reaction to it. So we have to be like, we have to be conscious that everyone's feelings matters. Everyone's feelings matter. Even if, even if sometimes the information that's causing those feelings, like the thoughts that result in feelings, is from like, let's call them questionable sources, which at this point in time can be anywhere. Because who can you really trust? Mm-hmm. So I would like to, uh, to, to clarify that I think it's sad that the world is, in, world is in peril. I think this this perilous journey that we are all going through together ultimately will result in people realizing, especially in the United States, because we are a country that is built on ego. I live in Mexico now, thank the heavens. But our country that I come from, where I come from, is a country where we are indoctrinated from birth. Now, let me speak to 30 here, speak with 30. If you grow up in the United States, whether you're a citizen or not, whether you're LGBTQ, no matter what color or skin you are, your race, religion, class, even if you moved there when you were five years old from another country and don't have like papers that would make you legal, right? Right? To live there, you're still indoctrinated into this, this, this American way, which is like this capitalist way of you're better than everyone else. You're better. We're number one. And, and that affects everyone in our country. When you're a kid like me, when I was, I'm still a kid now, I'm just in an adult form. You see that clearly. So I think what's going to happen, or I pray what will happen, and I believe I'm probably, I'm really, I believe I'm correct, is that the awareness that will come from this, 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 like what are these people doing in their houses right now? Like they're freaking out, some of them. They don't know what the future, they're scared. And mm-hmm. with all due empathy given to those people, this is necessary to wake the, Marcus swear on your show up and mm-hmm. I, I i i do really believe that that's going to happen because it has to because if it doesn't we are all done and when you when you mention awakening you know or awakened and awakening up like this on a global scale what does that look like to you and in, in your mind's eye what would that look like to you if it were to become a reality if globally people were to sort of wake up and and uh, especially wake up through this process, which is going to be very painful for a lot of people. A lot of people are experiencing, like you said, their fear, um, their fear for financial, for, you know, just stability in their in their world. You know, we're going on a mask and things like that. And so I know it's a very unsafe feeling for a lot of people. What does that look like on the other end of this for you in your mind's eye? What do you think it looks like for, for us to be more awakened than when we started this? I think there's going to be a lot more love. I think there's going to be a lot more. Um, well, I'm just going to spit it out. I think a lot more people are going to be getting together with each other, you know, intimate ways. That's mm-hmm. going to result in more community healing. I think. I think we've grown up in a society that has really um, enforced this idea that um, individual being how you say it, individualism is bad. Um, you have to be a certain way to be okay. I think people are realizing that the only real way to move forward in this world is to come together. So I'm envisioning, I believe, 
that the way it's going to work out, what's going to happen with these people who are, you know, legitimately scared because that's what they've been told to know and they're watching the news and they're watching the stuff. Who knows what's actually happening? I can't say I'm an expert on that, but I'm not watching the news. I'm like staying far away from all that. I, I believe what it's going to look like is people being nicer to each other. You know, I live in Mexico right now. And, uh, you know, there's not a freak out going on here. People are used to death and destruction. No offense to Mexico or countries that don't have the same sort of, like, let's call it quality of life like we have in the United States. But also the reality is the quality of life that we have in the United States is an illusion. It's propped up. And now it's collapsed. So I would, we, people here are just doing their normal life. Yes, there's some precautions in place. Yes, people are, are going through crisis and people are dying and this is happening. Nevertheless, this community of people I'm surrounded by, they've already been through earthquakes. They've been through not having health. You know, in Mexico, you can't pay for the doctor. If you can't pay for an emergency surgery, you don't have insurance, you don't have a way, you die. Mm -hmm. This is normal. And then when somebody dies, you know what they do? They have a parade. They have bands playing and a celebration. It's just part of life. So I'm surrounded by this. So what's going on in the United States and then like more westernized countries with more privilege and money and access is horrifying for those people. There's already a model of like being okay. And I'm grateful to be surrounded by some people who already know what that's like. I understand. So what advice would you have, um, Craig, for people who just are not feeling okay, who are very shell-shocked by everything that's going on, who maybe haven't faced this type of adversity before, um, what's some short-term and possibly long-term advice you have for individuals who are going through this and what they can do to sort of, I guess, stay positive? And also, you know, for lack of a better word, you have a very positive and um grounded disposition on your outlook of things even though you have survived the impossible how have you stayed grounded and what can other people do to sort of get grounded or feel better during this crisis well i'm smiling to myself because what you just said is true but what is also true is i'm i'm like sometimes a mess like like yes i have a balanced view on things but I'm also going through like my own crises on the twenty. Like, like I have a therapist, right? And she asked me a question recently. She said, "Like, how many times a day do you think about these things that bother you?" I was like, "Well, the truth is," and I laughed. I was like, three to three hundred times." And she laughed too because she knows me. So I'm going through like my own stuff. So mm -hmm. I have a balance with you, and I can share that with you. But sometimes I'm t I'm by myself, and but the things inside my head are are, are challenging for sure. So my answer. To your question, like what would I say to other people to kind of get through this stuff who doesn't, who don't really know? Mm -hmm. Something I've said for a long time because I know it works. I know it's true. And here it is. When you wake up in the morning, or depending on whenever you wake up in the day, 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 2 p.m., whatever it is, there are hundreds of millions of people at that very moment opening their eyes. And I mean, literally, like their eyes are opening because they're getting out of bed. What does that mean? What are those people doing? They're getting up for work. They're going to prepare food. They're taking care of their kid. They're walking their dog. They're tending their crops. They are, they're, um, you know, dealing with their cows, whatever it is, all around the world. And it's happening every second a person wakes up. There's hundreds of thousands of people doing the very same thing. 
And that is an energetic, energetic, it's a beautiful energetic motion that's happening. Now, think about it in this context. Mm, the sun's going to rise no matter what you do. The sun's going to set every night. Us humans at this point in time cannot stop that, which is a good thing. So that means <laughs> if the sun rises every morning and the sun sets every evening, that is evidence of forward movement. This earth is rotating as evident by the sun rising, the sun setting every single day, whether or not you do anything. So you can stay in bed. You can, like, you know, drug yourself into oblivion. You can take a bunch of pills to cope with anxiety and whatever people do what they do. Or you can get up and realize that the universe, the earth, like, like this beautiful place we live that still has so much potential that has not yet been realized, wants you. It wants you to go with it. That is why this sunset happens every day to let you know tomorrow morning, 10, 12 hours, 14 hours from now, I'm going to say hello again. And that means the whole world is saying hello again. And your choice is to go with it because there's hundreds of thousands of people at every moment when you open your eyes that's doing the same thing. You can either do it or you can choose not to. It's your choice. It's your choice to go with it. And if you go with it, you are engaging in power that will take you further than if you choose to say, I am just done. I can't live like this. I have no hope, which is what a lot of people may be feeling right now. My dear fellow humans out there listening to this, my name is Craig Lewis. I can, with 100% uh, certainty, let you all know that what I just said is reality. I can also let you know that some days I don't live by that because I'm in pain. I'm a survivor of some things that a lot of people haven't survived. So during this time period of, of, of un unprecedented crises, where people don't know how to deal with it, I will call myself a little bit of an expert in dealing with the most insane, messed up stuff. And what I just stated, that I know factually, because of the nature of what I've experienced, the abuses, the trauma, the violations, the losses, that when I open my eyes, that I know what I just said is fact. There's hundreds of thousands of people doing the same thing. The universe, the earth, whatever you believe in, it wants you to do it. It wants you to go on that journey. And we have evidence of it. You the sunset, the sunrise, the plants growing, the seasons changing. This is what reality is. I pray that people will hear what I'm saying and listen to the other people who are saying some of their things and get up and embrace the beauty, and the power that we all have within ourselves to do the very same thing that I'm trying to do. Hundreds of thousands and millions of people are doing it at the same time. Thank you. And God bless you for that question. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your thank you for your answer. That's a very that's a very nuanced way of, of looking at it because you know, like you said, that that is a fact that you can't argue that when you wake up the sun is there. When you go to sleep, it's not, but you go to sleep knowing that it's going to be there tomorrow because you just know it's just a feeling you have, it's a fact, it's happened every single day of your life, of your parents' life, of your generation's life, etc. So that's something that you can really hold on to. Now when we talk about, you know, this sort of this mental toughness and and stuff that you need to progress through this, is this are these things that you cover in your workbook as well? And how does this tie into um, why you're in Mexico right now? Well, the new book I'm about to publish is basically a document 
of how I really came to terms with what I just shared, what you just acknowledged, this nuanced view. So the new book, The Guide to Surviving the Impossible, is like, in essence, my journey of learning how to figure this out. So I cover topics, for example, uh, such as, well, I don't have it in front of me, so it's hard for me to quote myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Excuse me for the, the, the motorcycle going by. My dear friends, that is the life we live. Um, it is specifically about tapping into the revolution that, ex- that, 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 that exists within each human being that we so often in our, in our general like society we're currently a part of, that that revolution within us is suppressed. It's suppressed via capitalism. It's suppressed via um, food. It's suppressed via, via um, cultural messaging. It's suppressed via substances. And so we as humans don't really have a good firm understanding of how to cope if we don't actually get through the challenges in life that teach us how to cope. How can you know how to, how to be okay if you don't know what it's like to not be okay? So I know what it's like to not be okay. So the new book, The Craig Lewis Guide to Surviving the Impossible, I'll just also say it's funny. The reason why I'm calling it The Craig Lewis Guide to Surviving the Impossible using my name is, is it's kind of like an obnoxious thing I'm doing, except for the fact that like I already know that because I was a child with my third eye wide open, and now I'm an adult with my third eye wide open, and not everyone likes people who have their third eye wide open. So I already have my collection of people who aren't so thrilled with me simply because I can look at you and say, I'm going to tell you what's up. I can tell you the truth. Like, don't BS mm-hmm. me. I can see right through all this. And thus, this book is a guide with approximately 25 or so passages with the accompanying worksheets intended and developed out of my own heart, uh, heart trauma, my own heart pain and destruction to learn how to be okay, to learn how to be okay. And that is what the book is all about. That is the beauty of my heart that I'm, I'm expressing in written form. In written form, you're able to bless all people around the world. That is my sole purpose, to bless people around the world. So you're going to share your process of working through your trauma through your book, which is also a workbook to help other people work through the process of getting through their trauma. Is that correct? That is, that is correct. In fact, it is telling a story. It's actually, I'm actually, just to, to put it out there, I'm, I'm actually kind of proud of myself. Like, I, I'm proud of myself because, <laughs> because this time last year, or, 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 or including many times this year, I thought about ending my life. I thought about like losing my life. I thought about that my life was over. And well, thank the heavens, this book that I've authored is the process of how I became the guy that you stated a few minutes ago has a balanced view of the world, even though I admit the chaos exists. I struggle with it. I face it. I transcend it. I want other people in the world to know that their inner power, what's inside them, even if they have not tapped into it yet, they have the capacity to do so. I want to encourage all people, be in my work, be in my message, to figure out what they can do to live that beautiful life they were born to live and to help them be successful in doing it. 
That's a great, that's a great message. And we are, we are glad you were here with us today. Can you, you mentioned a little bit earlier before we started, you were telling me that you were in Mexico for spiritual reasons. Would you like to go a little bit into why you're in Mexico? Well, most certainly I would. Uh, for one reason, I can live here with a visa. Okay. And it mean, I could live in Europe with different people. Okay, but it would mean some things that I don't really want to have to do, which means being beholden to another person in their home, but also is very expensive. Parts of Europe where I can live in, but also every three months you have to move because you can only, with American, a US, visa, a U.S. passport, you can only stay in what they call the Schengen zone for three months at a time. So it would require me to do some things I don't want to do. Here, I can live here legally, which I do, and I can afford, and I have a beautiful, gorgeous home. I pay $280 a month, and it's furnished. I swear to God, I pay $280 a month, and I just chill. And so I needed to be somewhere where I could be independent, where I could mm-hmm. build up my life again. And I'll just share with the world right now. I moved here with the backpack and the clothes on my body. Here's why. I was homeless from January 2018. So May of last year, in fact, tomorrow, which for your listeners is May 3rd. No, no, it's May 5th. Uh, sorry. May 5th, okay. right? It's my one-year anniversary of having my home. I went through a living you-know-what. I took all those pharmaceutical drugs for 28 years. And five years ago, I finally got myself off all those pills. It left me with a neuro- neurological condition. It left me with, with, with family who was scared because they i was talking about what happened to me i was talking about the fact i was given these drugs to cover up what was going on i mean i was literally a, a walking abuse survivor in public why am i in mexico because here in the united well, they're in the united states everyone who knew me for 28 years knew craig lewis who was on pills who was on uh, psychotropic drugs for the purpose of what well my medical file now says debunked. So if mm-hmm. I am not just a psychiatrist and my former uh, or and my, my, my primary care doctor changed my medical file at age 42, 41 to say, oh, schizophrenia, debunked. Bipolar disorder, debunked. Then you have to appreciate that when you get off all those wow. substances, and I'm going to call them toxic, they are toxic, neurotoxic substances that you take prescribed by a doctor for some diagnosis that nobody can prove because there's no way to do it. That's what I survived. So why am I here? Because there's no way for me to live in the United States and be the person that I was born to be. Now, here's how I found out who I was. Excuse me once again for the motorcycle. Oh, no. Fine. Here's how I I found out. January 27th, 2018, I knew as of February 1st, I would be homeless. I knew I was going to lose the cat that I loved, that I rescued, who rescued me as well. I decided I could either live in a homeless shelter and lose my cat and be humiliated having failed, or I could hop on a plane to another continent and start something new. I landed in Paris, France on the 28th of January, 2018. The following evening, I had my first workshop in France with a French translator who just so happens to be the person who translated my book into French in front of 60 or 70 people who are like French uh, Parisian mental health workers People with lived experience with trauma, et cetera, et cetera. Those mm-hmm. who all arranged in advance, I knew I was going to end up there. 
as it turns out, you know, I don't know if you know this, but people at France don't always speak English very well, and thus they don't have like the time or the energy or the capacity sure. to just like learn about people by mm-hmm. Googling and translating. They don't care. They actually don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got to meet people who knew me for my energy. They saw my beauty. They saw the energy. Like, like you know how like your energy precedes you? Well, I learned that, that when I was around people who didn't speak English and they liked me anyways, I was like, really? You like me? Like, you feel good? Like, we don't speak the same language. Ah, that's the way it is. I realized I had a lot of parties. I had a lot of good times all over Europe with people who didn't really understand me. Well, we had to use Google Translate. How does that happen? And why wasn't it happening back in the United States, frankly? Because I spent my entire life as a public crazy person. I got off the drugs. I burnt to the ground. I lost everything I have. I say that, um, like, literally. I lost everything I had. But in reality, I actually didn't lose what was most important because I found me. So I had to lose all my stuff, right? End up in a foreign country, traveled all throughout Europe. I've been in four different countries in the past four years, consistently meeting people who I couldn't speak the language with, and they liked me. What does this mean? It means that when I erased, uh, not erased, when, I, when there was no um, information that would uh, alter their perception of me, and they just got me at face value, I was appreciated. So I had to stay away from places where this, like, this, 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 um, hijacked narrative of who I was existed. And I have to understand, I have to, I have to forgive that all the people who knew me all those years, who knew the drugged Craig Lewis, they actually experienced me in reality. So their, their, their experiences with me are legitimate, even if it wasn't me. Now, how do you tell somebody, that guy you had a fight with, who acted creepy, all this, whatever stuff I did, that wasn't me. Like, well, yeah, it looks like you, Craig. It sounds like you. I'm like, but don't you understand? Uh, not really. I was like, don't you understand those drugs made me sick? Yeah, that's not really how it works. I was like, yes, that is exactly how it works. They get the heck out of there. People don't give a crap about that stuff when they don't understand it because they don't have the time to figure it out or read it because the language. And that is why I live in Mexico because people just like me for me. They don't know any of this crap. And so it doesn't exist. If that makes any sense at all, I encourage everyone in the world listening to this, get the heck out. If you're unhappy, you can do it. I can help you. So it sounds like, you know, in a way that when you're when you were here in America, because of how things had been set up for a very early age for you from your parents and from the doctors and things like that, it kind of sounds like your voice was taken from you and other people were telling the story of Craig Lewis. And now that you are in another place and you're not under the influence of what you describe as, you know, toxic drugs, that you're able to tell your own story uh, in your own ways that would that be accurate to say? Yeah. And in addition to that, the same reason I'm loved by people around the world. Well, the same reason I'm loved by people around the world is the reason why I'm not particularly well liked by some people back home. The same reason why I'm hired to to do speaking gigs and, you know, training mental health workers, all the stuff I do around the world is the same reason why there's a real push against someone like me for doing the same thing, for doing the, for doing what I do rest, in the rest of the world in my own country. You feel what I'm saying here? I think mm-hmm. it's screwed up, but it's real. Wow. 
Well, it does sound like you have survived the impossible and more than survived, Craig. Uh, you know, it seems like you're thriving. It seems like, you know, even though, you know, you, you're saying you go through tough times and challenging times, I think all of us do. But what you've done seems to be remarkable for you yourself, that you, you've been able to turn things around and turn what most people would have maybe let break them into what has made you into who you are today. That's a pretty accurate description. Um, you know, and I appreciate you reflecting that back to me because it, 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 it's an indication to me that you really heard what I had to say. You felt me. You know, and I'd like to also say, I do want to honor that this show that you have is about, in part, cannabis and healing. And I would like to share with you before we say goodbye at some point. Sure. My story of how I, how I was introduced to, well, what was the first called medical marijuana which is now what I know all marijuana is and how it radically changed my life. Cause I think you and the people who are listening who have this particular, particular interest are going to find that remarkable. And I want to just take this couple minutes to yeah, really go for it. Magic. All right. We would love to hear about it. Cool. In the fall of 2015, I was already off these like meds for six months. Mm-hmm. My uh, friend of my friend and my, my, a good friend of mine to this day, uh, we went to Europe. We went to, I went to the first, it was, we uh, did presentations at a conference called the European Conference on Mental Health, which was uh, that year in Riga, Latvia. But my first time going to Europe, this is awesome, was landing in Riga, Latvia. Of all the places you're going to go in the world, my first time to go to Europe, Riga, Latvia. Did the conference. <laughs> After the conference, we had a whole set of events set up. We set up like speaking events, talk about healing and recovery and all this in, in Riga, Latvia in Tallinn, Estonia, in uh, Vilnius, Lithuania, and some things in uh, Finland, because it's really easy to get to Finland from Estonia by the boat. And after the conference, we did this presentation at an, at an outdoor campfire by a river in Riga, Latvia, right? Afterwards, mm-hmm. the place we did this talk, we went into a sauna. Uh, they pronounced sauna, sauna. And in the sauna, about 10 minutes after I went into it with my, my, my friend with me and all this. We're all naked, by the way, which is as American at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Was a little, not, yeah, now I'm cool with the nudity. I have some great <laughs> stories about nudity. Uh, but about 10 minutes in, it was clear that something happened to me. I poisoned myself. My fat cells retained these compounded neurotoxins. And in the sauna, approximately 10 minutes in, I had a rapid detox but it, it, it was also a poisoning i got so sick um, the person i was traveling with she said from that point on i was a different person she said she never uh experienced me being mean before i'm like i'm not a mean person like why would that and she said that to me i was like what are you talking about i now understand i was drugged for so long and then i got off those pills i was doing better but life was crazy right life was mm-hmm. intense and not sauna, I had a rapid, like, po- I poisoned myself. My body poisoned myself. The next day, I, was, I started, like, seeing, hearing all crazy shit. I was cutting myself, my language. I was cutting myself. Like, I didn't know what to do with my pain. It was the most mm-hmm. vicious thing I've ever known. And I've been through a lot of stuff. <laughs> and uh, by the time I got back to the United States, I was in chaos. I mean, listen, I went there to do presentations on mental health recovery. Like, like that's the craziness of the whole thing. I mm-hmm. got so sick. 
I got so sick. No one knew what to do with me. And uh, I got back to the States. I knew I had a neurological issue. I couldn't think clearly. I was getting really weird. I went to the hospital to get help. And they locked me in a psych ward. Love of God. Oh, no. They, oh, they, no. They, they sectioned me. I will just like to say to the world, I did punch the security guard. I did make it to the parking lot. But I had no choice. They already had my address. So like, mm-hmm. was, no, no, I, I was given the option. You either come back in voluntarily or we're going to take you back in. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, so I went back in, and after 24 hours later, after they had seven or eight different doctors come to talk to me, they sectioned me. I was sectioned, right, into a, a for-profit psychiatric hospital, <coughs> excuse me, and they never gave me drugs. But they were telling me that I was delusional, they were going to lock me up for six months for being, like, they said it wasn't who I said it was. Like, it was insanity. Mm-hmm. It was insanity. I had to, I got a lawyer, a judge intervened. I got, I got released because the judge intervened. They said the entire thing was a fraud. All right. Mm-hmm. Drugs were given to me. They, they diagnosed me with bipolar disorder in remission. I was like, you are the most ludicrous psychiatrist doctors I've ever met. You have no idea what you're doing. And they got me out of there. The judge got me out. A few weeks later, I told them everything was going. I was straight with everybody. I didn't have no time for BS. I was mm-hmm. straight. I said, this is what's happening. I've always been that way. People don't like that, but it's the way it is. A few weeks later, I went uh, to the medical marijuana provider in my neighborhood. Literally a five-minute walk from my house. Mm-hmm. I had my appointment. The doctor examines me. He says, you're mentally sound. I was like, I'm mentally sound. Are you kidding me? Like, you're the first doctor who ever said that. He said, we talked about cannabis. What's going to help me? I met with the uh, cannabis. Uh, actually, his title was cannabis counselor. I mean, what kind of beautiful world do we live in? <laughs> you can't talk to cannabis. And I'm telling them, you know, I don't want to use THC because I don't want to be intoxicated. I don't mm-hmm. want to be in control. Blah, blah, blah. We had a long talk with me. Then he says, Craig, um, did you did you feel like you got a good uh, explanation about medical marijuana? Did you feel like this is going to help you? Do you understand what I'm telling you? Do, have I been clear? I said, yeah. He says, do you think I'm stoned right now? <laughs> I said, I'm pretty sure you are. And, uh, He's like, all right. He's like, well, then you know what's up. So I have a doctor. He wrote me my prescription, like, make me legal. I got, a th- I got it all worked out. I got my permit, right? Mm-hmm. Within, now, mind you, this is, I, my, I was slurring my words. I had tics. Like, I was a mess. I was a mess. Even though I, like, I'm the guy I am, I have coping skills, I know how to manage, I was losing myself within, within a couple hours of my mm-hmm. first time going to the, 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 the dispensary. Of course, I'm going to admit to the world, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an anti-authoritarian. I'm a, I'm a rule breaker. I've always been this way. I, I got outside. <laughs> I walked to like five minutes to a little park and I smoked up. I, this is true. And I began to have a relief from the symptoms of neurological condition. I uh, stopped slurring my words over the period of time. The ticks went away. I remember I was with my, my then travel partner Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even look. I was like floating, like my eyes looking around. I could not. She's like, "What's wow. wrong with you?" I was like, and I could. And she's like, it "Was weird." Like I, when I put my arm on her, she's like, "She said it was like Rain Man. No, no, nothing negative about people who have those kind of challenges." But that wasn't me. Something was happening to me. Something was happening that was very wrong. And I got better. Like I literally started to improve. And over the course of time, I got better and better. I used like some high-powered um, oils, like eighty percent. 
uh, Rick Simpson's oil, you name it. Mm-hmm. I got better. I got better. I got better. I got better. And I got better. And thank the heavens. Now, one other thing about this. I went to see my primary care physician in 2017. They gave me a full blood work because I was trying to see the neurologist, all this. Mm-hmm. My, my, my liver and kidney damage that was the result of the psychiatric medication reversed. Oh, wow. It reversed. Now, if that's true, which it is, that we can state right here on the record that this is a miracle, this is something that goes out of the ground, and we must support people in knowing that in legitimate terms, in legitimate terms, this helped a man, me, save my life after the toxins that were prescribed to me, for whatever reason they were, and I'm a walking revolution, I'm a walking miracle, and I want to spread that message to the world. Not just about my book, that's fine. It's great people buy my book. I need money. Yes, I'm struggling, but this is more important. The miracle that that this plant, coupled with like choosing spirituality, choosing to to engage with what really matters, choosing to change your mindset, to see things more clearly, to engage in healing, I will state that the cannabis absolutely has helped me do that. I have a hard time accessing what I really like to, to take care of as my medicine, but mm-hmm. you know we find our ways, and that's that's in a nutshell. The miracle that I experienced when I found out at, as an adult that cannabis was the thing that was going to help me, and it absolutely did. Wow, yeah. We, we hear that a lot from, from guests that we have on the show and for us who, who use it as well. You know, we use it we use it consciously. We try not to abuse cannabis because, like you said, it, it is a healing plant, and we try to honor that. And it sounds like it healed you. It sounds like it helped you get to the place that you needed to be mentally and also physically to sort of reverse those effects that you're talking about that happened from the manufactured medication that you were taking. Yes. And without being graphic here, um, I'll just, I'll kind of talk in a circle to keep it clean. Um, my body reacted, you know, I was oppressed, uh, you know, um, pharmaceutically suppressed teenager and adult, my body had a, a reaction. I became a much more, uh, how do you say, physically capable man. And other mm-hmm. things happened as well that, that were, not go- were not existing when I was on those drugs. It was mm-hmm. a remarkable, remarkable turn of events. And the cannabis absolutely helped initiate that without question. Right. Wow. Well, that's, yeah, that's wonderful for us here. We we love stories like that. And we love using cannabis for medicinal purposes. We know that it helps with depression and anxiety and, you know, a lot of other challenges and, and disabilities that people are suffering can be eased just by using the cannabis plant. And so very glad to hear that it worked for you. Um, Craig, where else can people find you on the web so they can keep an eye on when your book's coming out and also just follow your story if they're interested in reaching out to you? Can you give us some information on where to find you on the web? Yes, and I have to admit, because of the nature of my experience, my web presence is completely messed up. Everything's, everything kind of collapsed and fell apart the way that I in a different way than I, I, I invested in a lot of things that didn't work out. For whatever reason, timing was what it was. The best way to reach me right now is via email. I really encourage everyone to write me an email or send me a message on WhatsApp. 
And you know, by the time your 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 um this interview comes out, I'll be able to give you a link that might be more helpful, but I can't do that right now. So okay. all the people out there, please email me at punksandrecovery at gmail.com. That is P-U-N-X dot I-N dot recovery at gmail.com. You can also write me on WhatsApp. It's also going to be used on the internet. Just my number for WhatsApp is 52-777-188-5400. For spare speakers, 52-777-188-5400. Thank you. And we'll make sure to put that information if you want to reach Craig in the podcast information. So if you want to reach out to Craig or if you want to reach out to us, we'll pass all messages on to Craig that are for Craig. And Craig, thank you again so much for coming on Stoned and Socially Distant right now and sharing your story with us. We are really glad that all of the things that tried to stop you from getting to where you are today did not stop you and that you were here to empower hopefully people who are listening today to know that they can survive the impossible because you did as well. I thank you so much. I am the walking embodiment of, of surviving the impossible. I embrace the fact that miracles are real, that, that I'm here today because I was born for a reason. I recognize that everything that ever happened to me was part of the plan. That I know that whatever happened yesterday is done. That whatever happens tomorrow is not in my control. All I can do is be here right now in the moment and like let the love in my heart perceive me. Let the love in my heart like be known, convey what I can. And when I have my tough moments, that's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm a survivor. I can't stop the fact that I was abused and hurt, but I can choose in every moment to be the best version of myself possible. I thank you for allowing me this opportunity to connect with your community and with you as well. Much love and peace. Thank you, guys. And guys, thanks for listening. You know, if you want to reach us, we're on Instagram at Stoned and Social. We're also at our email address, stonedandsocial at gmail.com. Keep an eye out for Craig's information and make sure to put it with this podcast. 